0: You're listening to the Earn That Body Podcast, episode number 300. Welcome to the Earn That Body Show with Kim Eagle. Kim is an award-winning personal trainer. She trains her clients all over the world online and is passionate about empowering people by getting fit and healthy. Welcome back, everyone. This is Kim Eagle with the Earn That Body Podcast, episode number 300. Wow, it's been several years now since the podcast has been running. I try to bring you a new episode every single week. I do take some holidays off, but other than that, I hope that you find it helpful and that you enjoy all of the information and find it things that you can really put into play very quickly for your health. Now, did you get the newsletter last week? If you didn't, you should definitely get on the newsletter list for Earn That Body. I only send out one email a month so i promise not to badger you weekly or daily with all kinds of uh emails and information it's not going to happen once a month if you want to get on that newsletter list go to earnthatbody.com forward slash newsletter and in the newsletter i always include a new healthy recipe that i've actually tried out and can tell you that it's good and let me tell you, I try many recipes a month, and half of them are not good enough to make the newsletter or eat again. <laughs> so if it's in the newsletter, it's a good one. I try to give a new video each month right now, and that could be a six-pack workout. It could be about nutrition. Uh, inspiration is in there as well. So many things in the newsletter to help you get fit, be healthy, be healthy and all kind of tips to keep you going. So definitely get on the newsletter list. And if you're on the newsletter list and didn't get your newsletter last week, then check your junk mail for sure. Now, we have a fantastic episode. It's number 300. And I thought, well, let's go with an episode that people probably ask me about the most. Protein. Where do you get it? Why should you get it? How much should you get of it? And is this protein better than that protein? And how can you get more of it because you're struggling with your macros? And, oh, I'm a vegan, so what do I do? Protein, protein, protein. It comes up time and time again, and I thought, well, let's get down to it, and I'm even going to give you a protein cheat sheet that tells you how much protein is in some of the top foods you can get per serving. So there's no more guessing about what you should do. If you're low on protein for the day, you can go right to this cheat sheet and you can look and say, oh, I can add this. This will be a perfect match. So we're going to talk about all of that after this. And now it's time for the Eagle's Eye on Health. These are Kim's quick tips, latest health news, or piece of weekly inspiration. In today's Eagle Eye on Health, coming to you uh, from Wellness and Nutrition from CNET, there was a great article about the best foods for heart health. And I thought, well, that's perfect. It's February, the month of love, the month of hearts, and we should talk just really quickly about heart health, because it is absolutely essential, obviously. When it comes to heart health, some factors are out of your control, Uh, like, for example, your blood type, but other factors are more changeable, including your diet. And everyone from the American Heart Association to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services recommends making specific food choices to support a healthy heart. Because foods for heart health can reduce other potential cardiovascular issues like high blood pressure and even high cholesterol, it's worth keeping in mind as you plan your weekly meals, all right? So let's just go right to them. What are some of these heart healthy things you should be doing or you should be eating? The very first one. What do you think it is? It's fruit and vegetables, right? I don't think it really needs a whole lot of explaining. Veggies and fruit, they are loaded in nutritional density basically per bite. All right. Bananas and sweet potatoes deliver potassium, which is a key mineral for heart health. Cruciferous veggies may help to prevent clogged arteries. Leafy greens, they deliver fiber, which can help to lower cholesterol and even that blood pressure. So long story short, team, the more produce you're packing in, the better. And if fresh produce doesn't work for your budget or your lifestyle, they say you can even get the benefits from frozen, dried, and canned options. But when you go with those canned options, you definitely want to check the sodium because that's usually much higher in canned. When you can, go fresh when it comes to your produce. Number two, whole grains. Not all carbohydrates are bad, they say. Woohoo, I say that all the time. Refined carbs, like the ones in white bread, fly through your body, usually doing more harm than good but you want the complex carbohydrates like the ones you'll find in whole grain products they deliver fiber and that is going to help your heart health plus they often come packed with they come packed I should say with vitamins and minerals like iron selenium thiamine riboflavin niacin folate and even magnesium So if you're looking for a heart-healthy diet, you do want to choose foods that have whole grains in their ingredient list. Plus, complex carbs can also be found in beans, in potatoes, in peas, and even corn. So you definitely want whole grains for heart health. Number three, they say lean and plant protein. And don't forget, we're going to talk all about this kind of protein today, lean and plant While certain proteins like red and processed meat can be hard on your heart, others definitely top the list of foods for heart health. The key here is to look for plant-based proteins, lean animal proteins, and fish. Experts recommend mixing up your protein sources. So you're gonna have plenty of options after this podcast episode, we're gonna get to that next. Then they say number four is healthy fats. You might think that fat spells heart trouble, but it's all about the type of fat that you're taking in. While trans and saturated fats have been linked to cardiovascular issues in many studies, your body, including your heart, do need healthy fats. You can get these from fish, nuts, seeds, along with avocados, even different kinds of plant oils like um, sunflower, sesame. All kinds of oils um, can be healthy. It just depends which kind and in moderation. As a general rule of thumb, if the fat would be solid at room temp, it's probably saturated. So if it would be a liquid, it most likely falls under unsaturated. So also something to take note of. And then the last thing, number five, they say look for heart check foods. The American Heart Association has certified certain foods for heart health and given them a heart check seal, which you can find on some food packaging. So once you learn that seal, you can make it easier to stock your cart with foods for heart health. I personally have not looked for that seal. So it's something I'm going to look for because I'm curious, A, what it looks like and B, what they're putting it on. But it is something to take note of. So everyone, heart health this month. It's February. It's the month of love and hearts. Please take care of your heart by eating the best foods for your heart. All right, I know what you really wanna talk about. You want to talk about protein, right? You wanna know how much to eat? Why should you even eat protein? Where should it come from? does it matter where it comes from, right? I mean, is all protein actually created equal? Well, the information that I got for you today comes from Harvard Health, Prevention Magazine, Healthline, and American Society for Nutrition. I looked all over and got you what I consider to be the very best information for you. Now protein, it is an essential macronutrient, but I do want you to listen closely because not all food sources of protein are created equal. Now let's first talk about what is protein. It is found throughout your body. It's in your muscle, bones, skin, hair, and pretty much every other body part or tissue. It makes up the enzymes that power many chemical reactions and the hemoglobin that carries oxygen in your blood. At least 10,000 different proteins make you what you are and keep you that way. Now, protein is made from 20-plus basic building blocks that are called amino acids. And because we don't store amino acids, our body makes them in two different ways. It either makes them from scratch or by modifying others. Nine amino acids, known as the essential amino acids, have to come from food. The National Academy of Medicine sets a really wide range for acceptable protein intake, wide in my opinion, anywhere from 10% to 35% of calories each day. Beyond that, there's relatively little solid information on the ideal amount of protein in the diet or even the healthiest target for calories contributed by protein. In an analysis conducted at Harvard among more than 130,000 men and women who were followed for up to 32 years, the percentage of calories from total protein intake was not related to overall mortality or to specific causes of death. However, they did say that the source of protein was very important. So a couple things I want to go back and talk about. First of all, the the 10 to 35% of calories each day, that's what they're saying is a acceptable range of protein intake. And I really like that they listed it like that because a lot of people say to me all the time, well, how many grams of protein should I take a day? I don't like to go by how many grams of protein because that amount can change daily based on how many calories you take in. So it's always better to go with a percentage of calories for your protein. And a lot of the online food logging programs can show you exactly what your percent is. So I don't expect you to be like calculating your percent all day. But if you simply go online and use these food logs, like my client's use loseit.com, you have the ability to look at your macro percents to see where your protein falls that day based on how many calories you take in. Now, why do you take in different calories each day? Well, it's just potentially could have to do with your exercise level. Like if I go out for a 10-mile run, I'm going to take in a whole lot more calories than a morning when I did active recovery walking for 20 minutes with mobility work, right? So that's why I want you to think about protein in a sense of percent of calories each day versus just how many grams should I take in. Then the next thing they're talking about is the source of protein. It is saying that not all Proteins are created equal. So what does that mean? Well, a new study published, or I should say it was in 2021, so it's very recent. A new study published in the Journal of Nutrition concluded that ounce equivalents of animal and plant-based protein-rich foods may not be metabolically equivalent after all. So, so many people were thinking, well, if I take in this much plant-based protein versus this much animal-based protein, it doesn't matter because six grams of protein is six grams of protein. But guess what, team? The new research is saying otherwise. So dietary, dietary protein in general, we obviously know we need it for the synthesis and the structural functional components for all of our living cells. And so the food protein quantity and quality are really essential for our health overall. Now the Dietary Guidelines for Americans, they call it the DGAs, they published this ounce equivalence recommendation to help people meet protein requirements with a variety of protein food sources. So for example, the DGA's present Uh, present a variety of ounce equivalents in the protein food groups, stating that one ounce of meat is equivalent to one cooked egg, one fourth of red kidney beans, one tablespoon of peanut butter, two ounces of tofu, and half an ounce of mixed nuts. However, The DGAs do not currently address the issue of differences in protein quality associated with varied food sources. In general, animal proteins have higher protein digestibility and a better essential amino acid profile relative to dietary requirements. And these measures of protein quality indicate that animal proteins can more readily provide the daily requirement of essential amino acids than plant protein. That's really important. Now to investigate the physiological response to various ounce equivalents of these protein food sources, Robert Wolf, uh, who was with the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences and some colleagues, they randomly assigned 56 young healthy adult participants to one of seven food intervention groups. These are the groups. It was either two ounces of cooked beef sirloin, two ounces of cooked pork loin, two cooked eggs, half a cup of red kidney beans, two tablespoons of peanut butter, four ounces of tofu, or one ounce of mixed nuts. Now, prior to the onset of the study, Participants followed a three-day dietary weight maintenance, so they were all the same. Participants' net whole body protein balance was then assessed using a stable isotope tracer infusion protocol. Don't worry, you don't have to know what that is, but that's how it was assessed. And the changes from baseline following consumption of the different protein food sources were compared with the baseline value for that individual. Consumption of ounce equivalents, are you ready, of the animal-based protein food sources resulted in greater gain in whole body net protein balance above the baseline than the ounce equivalents of plant-based protein food sources. Overall, the animal-based protein food sources elicited greater anabolic responses than plant-based protein food sources. And the improvement in whole body net protein balance was due to an increase in protein synthesis with all the animal protein sources. In addition, the egg and pork groups also suppressed protein breakdown compared with the plant protein sources. Can you understand, and are you starting to hear that? Animal-based protein is impacting the body different than plant-based protein. So it's actually not, in fact, true that all protein is created equal because now we're starting to understand that it's definitely not. So at a cellular level, consuming plant-based proteins like pea protein or rice protein it does not stimulate the maintenance or building of muscle tissue, as well as animal proteins like meat and dairy. And this is attributed to a few factors that involve the absorption of the amino acids in plant-based proteins, as well as the many different amino acid profiles found in various plant-based foods. To acquire 20 grams of protein from fish, you would only need to eat one serving That's about 150 calories. Now, to get the same amount of protein from, say, quinoa, uh, one of the only complete plant-based proteins there is, you would need two to four servings, which adds up to 750 calories. That is a lot more than the fish, right? Now to get the the best of both worlds, they recommend you wanna have protein from both sources. You wanna eat smaller servings of maybe the plant-based protein sometimes, like the brown rice with the peas, both of which have that protein in it, but you wanna consume more of a variety with the amino acids and get the nutrients that are in both foods, so maybe with that fish, you can have the plant-based protein. You could also have a smaller two to three ounce serving of chicken, and that would be giving you a lot of protein as well with that rice or the peas on the side. There are so many snacks and meat products now on the shelves at the grocery store that are also advertising plant-based alternatives. And so many people are picking these up thinking that they're healthier and that it's usually some kind of protein type Plant-based alternative, right? And many people reach for these because they think they're avoiding processed foods. But in reality, these plant-based alternatives, like the burgers and the vegan cheese and the plant-based chips, they are ultra processed. And they contain so many additives for texture, for flavor, and these you really want to avoid altogether. So do note and please be aware that if it is labeled plant-based, it does not mean that it's in fact healthier. You're better off eating a lean sirloin burger, quite honestly, or even a turkey burger over these plant-based equivalent types of meat. These are much different than plant-based protein powders as well. Those can be an easier way to bump up protein intake, but you also want to note that a lot of these protein powders out there are also not equal to your animal-based protein. For one, as I've said so many times, these supplements with protein powders They are not regulated by the FDA. And so even if it says that it's organic or vegan, plant-based, protein, it doesn't matter. It still could have heavy metals in it. So you have to be really careful about that as well. And I would still think that what they're saying is they're not, you're not getting the same uptake of protein as you do with the animal-based, even with your protein powders. You really wanna add variety to your diet. So you can still scale back on meat, like everything doesn't have to be meat, meat, meat to get your protein up. I really want people to know that. And another thing is, you can still be plant-based and eat meat. I've said it before and I'll say it again. True plant-based eating is not vegan. And it's not necessarily vegetarian. It's just that the majority of what you eat is plant-based, like your vegetables and your fruit. But you also eat meat in moderation. So I would say I am a plant-based diet eater in many respects because i do eat chicken and i eat fish and i eat turkey but i also have way more of my vegetables and my fruit and my whole grains on my plate so don't think that you have to get your protein only from animal products right now but you should understand that the protein you're getting from the animal products is proving to be more essential to help your body in many ways, like even building muscle. They're saying that it is coming from the animal protein more so than any plant protein. Balance, balance, balance. It's what it all comes down to at the end of the day. You want protein from some animal products. You want protein from plant-based products as well. I don't want to say products, plant-based food. I don't want you eating products that are processed. (laughs) I want you eating the vegetables and things like that and the whole grains. The more you can balance it all together and include a little bit of everything in some of your meals or at least in some of your days, you're probably going to do best for your body to get exactly the nutrients that your body, in fact, needs. Now, I made a protein source cheat sheet for you. All right. So it is going to have a full list from least amount of protein to highest amount of protein per serving. So you can really see how much protein you're actually getting with spinach. And we'll talk about that in a second. Versus turkey, things like that. So if you would like to go ahead and download that sheet, all you have to do is go to EarnThatBody.com forward slash protein, and you will have the ability to go ahead and download this page. You can print it out. You can slap it on your refrigerator, wherever it's best for you, or you can save it on your phone. It is a PDF document that is all for you. Now, I do want to say this. There are some proteins that out there that are the best. And I would say probably the first one, and it definitely is in your list, is the basic egg. The eggs are some of the best sources of protein you can get. And if you're concerned about cholesterol in egg yolks, it's important to note that most of the research today has really debunked that idea that they're bad for you. All right, so in one egg, you get six grams of protein. Now I do think you can't overdo it and shouldn't overdo it. Sometimes I have clients and they're like, I ate five eggs yesterday to get all my protein in. That's a bit much. I don't think you should eat five servings of anything, right? So I would say one egg a day, maybe a couple egg whites with it, that's probably your max. But the egg has the most complete source of the amino acids. It's like the most complete source of protein that you could ingest for your body. So they truly are one of the best ways, in my opinion, to get solid, solid protein. If you're like, oh, but it always pushes my fat too high, one egg shouldn't put your push your fat too high. But then go ahead and add the egg whites, and that's basically just pure, pure protein. Now, let me get my list out here. That's my favorite one, so I wanted you to know that one first. But then let's talk for a second, because I put it on the list first for a reason I'm gonna pull that up okay so the first on the list because it's the lowest amount of protein is spinach the reason that I put it on the list is because I have so many vegetarians and vegans tell me that they get enough protein in they eat a ton of spinach And I'm always thinking spinach is not a source of protein. So I added it on the protein cheat sheet, not because I think it's a source of protein, but rather so you can see why it's not a source of protein. In my opinion, it has 0.9 grams of protein in one cup, right? So basically like barely a gram. Now in all meals, I try to encourage my clients to have at least, this is the minimum, 10 grams of protein in a meal. So that would mean you would have to have 10 cups of spinach to get in that much. And honestly, I mean a little more than that. And honestly, that's a lot of spinach. So don't consider spinach a protein source just because it has some protein in it. Lots of foods have protein in it, but if it's not a high amount of protein, then I'm not gonna call it a protein source. So that's the only reason it's written there. I really wanted you to see that. Then the next one up, your almonds. Now almonds are a great snack, in an ounce of almonds, you get in about 6 grams of protein. Yes, almonds do have some fat. I would always get raw almonds as well. And if you want to be really good on the weekend, get some snack bags and measure out your almonds for one serving so that you can just grab it and go. Generally, if you stick to one serving of something, you're going to be just fine. You don't even have to log it. but. I mean, unless you're logging all your food for my clients, then you have to log it. But I'm just saying one serving of almonds in a day is going to do you well. So you might even pre-bag some of those almonds to get your six grams of protein. Now. Ezekiel bread, I hope I pronounced that right, one slice of it also has six grams of protein. So there's one that you probably thought, well, bread's a carbohydrate. Well, absolutely. I mean, it it has carbohydrates in it too, but it actually has a solid amount of protein. Not all breads are equal. And so that's why I actually put the the name of the bread on here, because you'll want to look at the label of your bread, And see, is it high-end protein? Does it have at least six grams? If not, maybe you could get a bread that has a little more. Black beans are another good source of protein. In half of a cup, you're gonna get seven grams of protein. But it's not 10 grams right and i did say i encourage my clients to get at least 10 grams so often my vegetarians and my vegans they're eating black beans as their source of protein and they're usually pretty low on protein for the day unless they double that serving size or add something else so it is a nice protein but also it's not super high then the next one is peanut butter Two tablespoons of peanut butter has seven grams of protein. I just can't talk badly about peanut butter because it's like so near and dear to my heart <laughs> and to my uh, my taste buds. I guess I love peanut butter. Again, it's a high fat protein, so it's not something you can have unlimited. It's still under that 10 grams that I'd want to see in a meal. But it's great with an apple, like if you're having it for a snack, it's definitely a good way to get a little extra protein in. Now, this next one I really like in many ways if you can digest it, and that is milk. Cow's milk, 8 ounces, 8 grams of protein. Forget the almond milk. Forget the cashew milk. Forget the nut milks, people. They have like virtually no protein. Those kind of milks have become like plant-based products on a shelf, meaning that people assume they are healthier than cow's milk. There is nothing wrong with organic cow's milk if you do not have any digestive issues, and it's a great way to get in more protein. Now, there is a lot of sugar in milk, So you do want to limit it, I would say, to your one serving in a day. That would definitely be important. I would keep it organic. Now, I personally do have issues digesting milk, so I get the lactose-free milk. In terms of fat, and I've done a podcast about dairy and fat-free, non-fat, low-fat. In terms of fat, if you don't take in a lot of healthy fats, it's okay to get whole milk. Uh, If you take in a lot of healthy fats already, like I get so many healthy fats in my day from my avocados, and I cook with olive oil, and I eat peanut butter, so I usually get a low-fat milk or a skim milk. I don't drink milk very often, but it is a great protein source, and you shouldn't be afraid of having it if you are not, you know... If you don't have digestive issues, because not everybody has digestive issues from milk. You'll know right away if you do. It'll bloat you and it'll give you gas. <laughs> and if you don't get that, don't be afraid to have milk. It's totally a great source of calcium as well. Um, Okay, I'm going to skip down down here and talk about pumpkin seeds. How about those? They're also so, so good for you, lots of magnesium, but a fourth of a cup of pumpkin seeds has 8.8 grams of protein. So we're starting to see an increase from your almonds that only had six. So pumpkin seeds might be something that you want to bag up on the weekend and have already ready and measured amounts. Edamame is such a great one for my vegans and my vegetarians out there because 9 grams of protein in half a cup is pretty good. Maybe you'll double it up and you'll be able to get over that 10, right? You also have the option of cottage cheese. I'm, I'm bumping over some. You'll see on the list there's even more than what I'm going over today. Um, cottage cheese is a great snack in half a cup it has 12 grams of protein now here's the thing it's like your dairy Uh, it's like your milk should you get non fat should you get low fat or you know full fat depends on the rest of your day if you're not taking in a lot of fats then you could have full fat cottage cheese if you are maybe you get the low fat version please note that cottage cheese is very high in sodium and so You want to have low sodium the rest of the day or make sure the brand you get isn't off the charts uh, in sodium because it is definitely something that sadly goes along with cottage cheese. Sadly, I love it, but I do find that the sodium is a bit too high. Now, one that has really become, I don't know, I feel like it's become the hot protein lately, I guess for the vegans and the vegetarians, but chickpeas actually have 15 grams of protein in one cup. And there's just a lot of chickpeas on the market these days. Again, the, the industries take over, and if they hear that this is the new hot protein, they're going to make everything they can out of chickpeas. They'll, they'll make chips out of it. They'll make guacamole out of it. They'll make anything out of it just so they can say high protein, plant-based, all these words that are grabbing you, right? But chickpeas are, in fact, a great source of protein. Now, what about tuna fish? Tuna in the can, 25 grams of protein. That's in a five ounce can. Wow, now you're talking serious protein. So we're going up and up and up in this list. So you can start to see the difference. Tuna, 25 grams of protein. Spinach, 0.9, right? Not very much. Now, of course, my favorite that y'all know is Greek yogurt. Why is it my favorite? Because one cup has about 20 grams of protein. Now, of course, that is brand dependent. So all of the, all of these foods are brand dependent depending on if, if it's made by a brand. Um, so some might be a little less or a little more, but about 20 grams of protein in a cup is absolutely fantastic. Again, same goes for low fat, no fat, full fat, Depends on the rest of your day. Then we get up into the really high protein values. And this is your salmon, 20 grams of protein in three and a half ounces. Shrimp, 20.4 grams in three ounces. Lean beef, 24.6 grams. And then you've got chicken and turkey. They both have 25 grams of protein in four ounces, which is a typical serving size about the size of your palm. So you've got everything from your 0.9 grams of protein up to 25 grams of protein. And as I said, there's more than what I talked about today on the list. So definitely get the PDF because I think it's gonna really help you see where you can add a little more protein to your day. And also so you can see the plant-based protein amounts versus the animal-based proteins. And as we just talked about, all protein sources are not created equal in what it's going to do for your body. So now you have a list of things that you can combine to really make sure that your day is balanced, okay? Because that, at the end of the day, we want a nutritional diet that is balanced in all ways. We want healthy carbs, we want protein, we want healthy fats, we want grains, we want nuts, we want vegetables, we want fruit. All of these things are so important for a healthy body, for a healthy mind. And honestly, that is going to lead to a healthy life for sure. If you want that cheat sheet, go to earnthatbody.com forward slash protein. Get it, print it, hang it up. I promise you it is going to help you the next time you are looking at your plate and you're thinking, I don't have a protein here. What could I add? Now, what's the bottom line? Getting enough protein on a daily basis is absolutely essential for your health. People's protein needs vary because a sedentary person might not need as much as that active athlete, but you still in fact do need protein, right? And adding a few of these high protein foods on the list may really help you meet your daily needs of overall protein. So there you have it. That's everything on protein. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. And oh, by the way, I just wanted to let you know, I am actually in a contest right now for the Bucks County area where I just moved to. I wanna sort of let everybody know that... I have made it. This Texas girl has landed. And I thought I was done with all of these contests and vote for me, vote for me. But I really need to get the word out here that I have arrived. So if you wouldn't mind giving me a vote, that can be your thank you to me for providing you this free cheat sheet today, right? Or just thanking me for giving you a podcast that doesn't have ads. Isn't it nice not to have to forward through any ads or sponsors? I do the podcast as a voluntary way of giving back to the community. So if you wanna say thank you, I would love your vote. Now, the voting links are in my newsletter. If you're not on that, shoot me an email, kim at I will send you the link or shoot me a message on social media. I really need your vote. It would really help me. It's sort of like I've got to get reestablished in the area, and I sure would appreciate a vote from you. Other than that, the Earn That Body podcast is here to bring you fitness, nutrition, and health information you can put into play right away. Have a great week, team. For more information about Kim Eagle's online programs, go to EarnThatBody.com or check out Earn That Body on all forms of social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube.